Welcome everybody to the Spawn Me Podcast. This is episode 113. I'm your host, Khalif Adams, and I am joined this week and every week with the best swing man in the game. It is not Paul George. It is not Kobe Bryant. It is Cicero, Bartholomew, Charles Barkley Holmes. How are you, sir? Everything is terrible. I'm operating on no sleep, Jerry. No sleep. <laughs> we, we have a lot. We have a lot of stuff to talk about on that. Yes. And real quick, but I will hold off for a second because I have to introduce our other our other host, that man who is the brother from another mother. He is the guy who makes gaming looks good. He is the man with the best natural in the game. The fro game is tight. Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you, sir? Hand down, man down. Oh, I feel shit. like since my last name is Jackson, I pretty much have you know full rights to say every Mark Jackson quote at all times. Right. <laughs> and I feel like I haven't been like using that enough. So mm. like, so like I'm gonna be at work and just be like, Mama, there goes that man. <laughs> I feel, I feel like <laughs> just like I feel like time. you have to you have to use all your. I'm never gonna get another coaching job. Powers. That you have to use. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel bad about that though. That's not yeah. okay. I mean, that, man, that man should have got. Look, you, you, you got to get along with ownership, man. It doesn't matter yeah. what yeah. team you build; the owners don't like you. How must he feel right now, seeing that championship team that he built yeah. for the most part going and doing this yeah. thing? Two so times. He, he he's got to feel exactly like Tony Dungy. Mm. I mean, there wow, is. I think it's worse. There it is. Or the first dude that ever dated uh, Janet Jackson. Where oh the DeBarge dude yeah because now he got he gets no play <laughs> at least he got he got he got the secret daughter though <laughs> in the secret garden yeah exclusive <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> tell me a secret that's one of the creepiest uh, songs on the damn planet anyway yeah anyway anyway uh, we um, had a, we had a pretty good week uh, yeah, last yeah, week man. Oh my goodness, John, uh, uh, Shante Daniels, who rocked our show yes. uh, on our Uncharted special, yes. uh, came through with the knowledge, busted out some really dope analysis. Uh, we got a chance to kind of air some grievances mm-hmm. and also kind of uh, share some good news and some good info on that. So Shante, thank you so much for dropping, uh, dropping by and hanging out with us. Uh, a lot of people hit us up with feedback and they really liked your appearance and liked the show and uh, said that we did some really cool stuff with that. So. Yeah. Um, also, I want to say uh, shout out to Bat T Holmes, who is out, <laughs> out and about. Um, uh, you know, for those of you who who missed the show, spoiler alert! Um, about three minutes in, a fucking bat appeared in my house. It actually and, happened, people. This was and, not a and, skit. And flew around my house. You um, literally became the. You literally became I, the brother from Hollywood Shuffle. Yes, like, batty, 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 batty. batty. Uh, you, batty, you, batty, you batty. literally became Bruce Wayne. Well, yes, like, I was. I'm. I am the Bruce Wayne of Chicago. That's crazy. Um, I am the Bruce Wayne of Chicago. I would have, if I was in a Zack Snyder film, I would have levitated <laughs> above everything. We don't. We don't. And then, we, and then, kill Jimmy Olsen. We we, we we don't we don't recognize that Batman origin sequence, right? right. <laughs> uh, he, he is nullified uh, by saying a woman's name just randomly, oh, just nullified. Man. Right, exactly. Why did you say that name, Batty Holmes? Why did you say that name, Batty? Oh. My mom's name, Batty. Right. <laughs> I want that to be it. So, I really want that to be it. Yes. Oh. So, um, the fourth voice that you heard. 
is um, he's added into the delirium. We'll get into the delirium in a second. Um, but but this guy is he he is like the fourth chair. Um, the fourth chair should be dedicated to him. Uh, it's it's actually the chair that he's sitting in has a plaque on it that is dedicated to him. Um, so, Don't you have to give money to make that happen? Yeah. Hey, like, look, man. You know, they give um, honorary doctorates. Okay. I mean, right, it's not exactly. a golden plaque. It's just like right, a right. It's plaque. just right. It's okay. just a, it's a paper plate with a sharpie. <laughs> that's good. That's about that's about my level. Right. With the with the Elma glue stick. Oh my god. <laughs> Put some um, glitter on it, though. You gotta put some glitter. Right, on it. right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so um, also long ago, we had a very, very special show. Um, we have lots of special shows, but I think our most specialist is is show. Now you sound like a uh, five year old, but continue. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I feel that way. And um, was was with this gentleman the the day he kind of broke the internet with it with an article about oh whoa 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 black people and their hair in video games and uh, we were able to get this guy at his most raw um and and give him some catharsis here in Chicago um we we talked a couple of weeks ago with Austin Walker and and in the break we we talked about how special his episode was and we named we named this gentleman's episode um, as the benchmark to clear. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, returning to Bricago is uh, <laughs> the one and only uh, writer extraordinaire, Mr. Evan Narcisse. How are you today, I'm sir? I'm good. I'm a little humbled by that intro, um, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, I, it was a good time last time. You know, I, I, yeah. I keep up with you guys on Twitter and whatnot, and... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be back. Very much so. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Dope, dope, dope. Uh, so, so before we really get into uh, Ev and everything, I think we need to talk about what happened yesterday um, because it was it was actually a pretty momentous occasion in uh, Chicago history. June first, 2016. Um, is the day that will live in infamy in Chicago. I am quoting FDR now. Um, or paraphrasing FDR, maybe, um, or maybe that's exactly what he said. Who knows? Um, but, but uh, yeah. So both, as you guys have probably seen on Twitter um, and on Instagram, both Khalif Adams and myself, Cicero Holmes, Cicero F. Holmes the third, Lord, um, were um, both in L.A. for the NBA 2K Road to the Finals tournament. And um, ironically enough, it was three years ago that Khalif and I met when he was playing 2K on Twitch. And the very first time that we were able to give each other dap was uh, the prelude to a 2K event. Uh, and and Ka and I got to embrace warmly and shed tears. Uh, we cut each other's hands and made each other blood brothers we did. We um, did the color purple hand slap game. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> mama, mama, uh, <laughs> me and you us never part. Right. <laughs> and uh, and yeah. So we got we got up and uh, 
and it was dope dope finally meeting my brother in the flesh it was kind of weird i think um because one part of my brain was like holy shit you know i'm meeting someone new and the other part of my brain was like this person isn't new to me he's my brother so mm-hmm. it was it was it was very very weird and shout out to Takei and uh thanks a lot for the event we really had a good time. Uh Kyle how did you feel meeting I, meeting me cuz I'm beautiful. Oh my god. <laughs> I, for, the first thing that I thought was like you are so much taller on TV. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it, but the the weird thing is like, you know, <clears throat> you know, it has been, you know, almost big god like 3 years now since the yeah. beginning of us meeting and then Basically, two years and two years plus uh, before since we started Spawn on Me, and it is a very interesting time that we live in to understand that you can have these kinds of experiences, build these kinds of. Uh, I'm not going to say empires, but because it's coming, right. uh, <laughs> but build these kinds of things over the internet and and, and grow both uh, personally and and quote unquote professionally, <laughs> doing kinds of stuff like this. Um, and, and definitely being able to be like, oh, snap, that cat is a person who I've had in my life for, for like almost three years. And now we get to finally meet. Right. So <clears throat> it was it was it was bugged out. It was awesome. I'm happy that we got to do it and actually yeah. finally got to see each other because now I can actually give you shit. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to play. I don't have to play nice now. Yeah. Now oh, I, can, oh, I, can tell, oh I can tell you things. Oh, boy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so shout out to uh, Milton Ben a.k.a. Slovenly Gamer, a.k.a. Milton Hexadecimal, and also uh, shout-out to Paris Lily, a.k.a. Vicious 696, because um, they were there to witness it all. Um, you know, I mean, listen, we, we talk about everybody being our friends, but these cats are my brothers, man. I, I love these dudes, man. And, uh, you know, I think we should turn it over to our other brother who... Uh, who just came into town. Uh, he's back in Chicago. He's Evan Narciss. Um Ev, the last time we saw you, man, the last time we talked to you, the last time you talked to Bricago. It's been about a year, you, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah a, little, a little over a year now. Yeah. Um, you've, you've moved yeah. from, from you were in New York. Yeah, Brooklyn. And now, and now you, are, you are in Teja. Um, <laughs> you totally forgot the whole S. On yeah, the nah, nah. It's it's Teja, man. It's Teja. Yeah, I, uh, Um, and uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, and, let's not but, let's and, not butcher uh, the language. Okay, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm I'm delirious. I'm I'm delirious. No sleep. No sleep. People. No sleep till <laughs> Bricago. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, man. So you've you've relocated. Yeah. Um, I, I wake up. Changed... I wake up at least once a week and be like. I live in Texas now. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, and you change time zones and all that other stuff. And, it, and it's it's funny to me. Um, I think that I could say I could say that um, for someone who is as woke as conscious as you are, okay, um, sure. It is. It is. It is. It is. Um, so who's who's as self aware as you are? Okay, I'll, that will um, accept. Right, who's as, <laughs> as self-aware as you are that you that you wind up in a place that is less than aware of who they are yeah. than Texas, but but then but then I could say the same thing about any other fucking place. Yeah, in you could, and and you know, like there. I mean, there's been a little bit of whiplash, right? I'm a, I'm a right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a born and bred New Yorker, um, right? 
and uh, I never lived anywhere else. Um, you know, I went to school in New York. Um, basically, my whole identity is wrapped up in being in a New Yorker. Uh, you know, I've told, you know, friends, loved ones, whatever, like, you know, everything from my career to, you know, the way I dress, (laughs) um, (laughs) um, is wrapped up in being a New Yorker, right? Like, uh, uh, so it's weird to like reevaluate those things out of the context in which I grew up, um, and, and kind of became a man, became a, became a, a professional writer. Um, I can still do those things away from New York, but it felt like there was a different kind of resonance there. There are resonances here too. Um, I've got to, you know, figure, figure out how to get in line with them. But yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's been a weird shift. Um, but you know, like, uh, uh, um, I miss my, my people back in New York, especially my, my, my colleagues at Gawker and Kotaku. Um, but I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to execute at a high level. Um, here in my home office. (laughs) (laughs) How, I I mean, I I know what that feeling is like. I've recently gone through that process moving from New York to to Portland about a couple years ago. I know there were the first kind of couple things when you do have that, oh snap, I woke up in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh no, I can't get this. I can't do that. What what have been those kind of telltale things? I mean, for me, I used to be able to walk down to a bodega half a block down my street and get, you know, (laughs) like whatever, like I can get like some lemonade or some Advil or whatever I needed, <laughs> you know, uh, um, at, at ungodly hours. If, 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 if um, that's what needed to happen. Um, so there's a little bit less of that. I, I drive everywhere now, which is a huge change for me. Um, mm-hmm. um, but you know, thankfully I've yet to have any road rage incidents. I've yet to endure them <laughs> or spark them. So, um, I'm crossing my fingers there. Um, yeah, so it's been weird. Like you know, it's it's been uh, uh, it's had it's it's made me think about the way I socialize and a lot of things that I took for granted. I realized how lucky I was to have, um, whether that's you know family close by or friends close by, you know the easy play dates for my kid, you know like mm, go around the right. corner um, to my friend's place and just let my kid hang out with her friend for 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 hours on end, like stuff like that. Right. Uh, 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 I knew how special it was at the time. Now it's even more special. Um, sure. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's been a big change, but I think, you know, um, um, it, it's been going all right. You know, I, I, Austin's not a bad city to be if you've got to relocate from New York. Um, so mm. I've been taking advantage of that. You know, I haven't been snowed in <laughs> since right, I moved, right. you know, <laughs> um, I've been enjoying a, a what for me are above average temperatures for spring and, and, and summer, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, I, I, I've been acclimating and I've, I've eaten, you know, probably far more barbecue in the last three months of my life than I did in the last 30 years. So, um, dietary changes are happening as well <laughs> for the better. I do miss, I do miss New York pizza and New York bagels though. Yes, oh my God. Yes, there yes, are no course. good bagels out here either. No, I've not, I'm not even ventured. I've not even like, I've not even been brave enough to sample what they call a bagel here. So, um, <laughs> what they call a bagel. <laughs> yes. So, have 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 you noticed a difference um, in just the overall cleanliness of the city? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's 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 the thing about Austin that's interesting is that it is a rapidly changing city. Um, the statistics are something like a hundred and people, hundred fifty people move in a day. 
Um, and oh I, I think like wow. half that number, 75, leave. Um, so, because uh, this, this is a hotbed of tech development. It's a, like, this is like a, where a lot of the runoff from the West Coast um, um, tech bro culture uh, comes here. Um, and uh, they, I think, um, have a complicated relationship with people from California because they're like, oh, you guys are coming in here and raising the rents, buying up houses, um, driving the cost of living up. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, the influx of cash helps the tax base. Tax base. Um, and so nobody's exactly trying to put up any walls around those people who are moving in. Other people, not uh, not quite as, as, as warmly received. So thankfully, I dodged the bullet coming from Brooklyn. Um, how often do you get to say that? Um, right, right. <laughs> uh, I dodged the bullet in, uh, in terms of like not being from the place where a lot of the ire is being um, uh, directed at. But yeah, Austin is changing a lot, so... You talk about cleanliness and like there's so much new construction happening in the city because in New York like every square inch is accounted for right like you can mm-hmm. you can you can build up but you can't really build out um, right um, here you know there's there's so many people moving in and 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 the economy feels like it's booming and um, there there are houses being built everywhere so uh it's it's a clean city you know like there's no subway to speak of which is a drag because the traffic (laughs) right uh traffic here is terrible because there's just no public transportation system um there's like one train that goes you know a couple miles in and out of downtown but that's it um (laughs) it goes one stop yeah i think it is no it's not let me not exaggerate it's not i haven't been on it it goes a couple of stops but like it's you know it's it's quaint to a native New Yorker right, 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 <laughs> who right. rode on the uh, Long Island Railroad, Metro North subways right. my entire life. It's quaint. I feel like patting it on the head. It's clean, though. Yes. It's clean, <laughs> to answer Reese's question in a very roundabout way. It's a clean train in a clean city that is changing um, rapidly. So you talked about the transition of moving from New York, really big city, to not as big of a city, but getting there. And also kind of the transition of finding roots again in a new place and you had a really awesome <clears throat> piece that you did on uh this american life shout out to npr yeah uh uh that you did that talked about making friends as a grown person yeah, it, as an adult in a new place it, it is the can you i i really want to talk about this because i am this is a thing that i have not had the chance to really talk about with anybody yeah, else yeah. and i feel like it is so difficult especially it was a focus on like uh uh, uh the, the the narrator who the person who was like talking and telling the story who set you up on your play date your play mandate yeah. uh <laughs> there's too many there's too many modifiers for the way for the word date i'll accept mandate it's too, it's too or play date but not both play right. mandate no <laughs> absolutely um yeah so how that came about um is uh, the producer who was narrating the segment neil drumming drumming um he's my boy we go way back um Mm. uh we met through mutual friends neil used to write at entertainment weekly which was a sister publication to uh team people where i started my journalist career um yeah ages ago uh so we knew people in common and um, we became friendly and, uh, you know, stayed in touch over the years. And um, I, he was one of the people who, who I didn't get a chance to say farewell to when I left New York. Um, but, you know, we, we were like emailed back and forth a, a little bit um, after I moved. 
Uh, meanwhile, the other person who was the part of the segment, Chris Gerben, um, he had emailed Neil with a separate pitch, I think, about kind of uh, making friends after having relocated as an adult and, and being away from the kind of social networks which automatically feed you friends, right? Um, right. Uh, so Neil was, you know, he, he was sitting on it, I think, letting it stew, seeing what he could uh, do with it. But then he remembered that I had moved to the same place that Chris had moved. So then he came up with his semi-diabolical plan <laughs> to <laughs> set us up on a random encounter and, and see what happened um, and interview us before and after. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, Chris is a good guy. Um, it's funny. The, the, the number one question I've been asked since that segment has aired is like, have you guys hung out anymore? I'm like, you know, we've been trying, which sounds lame, but we have been trying. Like he had to sick. Right, we were right. supposed to hang out last night, but his kid was sick. So he had to cancel. And I, you know, right. tonight I'm doing this and uh, the weekends are generally booked. Um, so we're, we're trying to figure it out, but he's a cool dude. Um, right. And, uh, and I'm glad we, we got to do that. That was awesome. Cause it made me just think, I was like, I, I can't find many people now. Cause you'd lose a yeah. lot of that connective yeah. tissue. Yeah. That works some of that stuff out. Like I found, I found Sterling McGarvey out here. Oh yeah, when that's I moved my dude. out. Yeah, I didn't realize he moved. Like, I didn't oh. realize he moved up there. I thought he was still in the Bay. No, no, he's up here in Portland now. It's great. I think he's. I think he's been up here for like maybe a year okay. or two, maybe I believe, and probably a little bit more than that. But it's like finding those things that actually didn't even happen locally. That happened on the internet, that's funny. and then moved itself back this way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, one, one thing. One thing I told people is an email group I'm part of, and I was talking about like how I haven't found my people yet. You know. Like, mm-hmm. and part of that is shorthand for like being a black nerd into the shit that I'm into, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know they're around, you know, but like the networks where I was able to find those people, um, the lasting friendships I made through being a video game journalist and whatnot, like I, I can't avail myself of, you know, like if I talk about like somebody like Angai Kroll, who's my friend, we met each other going to demos for games like 10 years ago, you know, like hanging right, out before, right. after, et cetera, et cetera. Like, uh, I don't have anything like that going on right now. Like right now I wake mm-hmm, up, mm-hmm. I go to my desk, I walk to my desk, the, the 10 or so feet it is from my bed. I start, <laughs> I start writing, um, you know, I'll cook my daughter's dinner and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back to my desk when my day is done. You know, like there's, I don't have the kind of feeder systems that, that mm-hmm. bring people into your life. Um, they change as you get older, you know, even like being a parent now, like, the, the, the parent friends that I met, like good friends who are going to be lifelong friends for me that I met in Brooklyn. Um, I haven't been able to make those kind of relationships in, in Austin yet. I'm not saying I won't. It's early. We've only been here for, right, right. for five months. But like you, you realize once you get out of school or a job or commuting or, or any anything <laughs> anything that qualifies as a local haunt, a consistent place that you visit, like uh, once you don't have those kind of things, like it's hard to meet people. Yep. Yeah. You know. So, so uh, a, a question that I guess is is kind of relevant. Uh, Chris has a child, and you, you have a child. Is, uh, are are they close, similar in age? Yeah, his daughter's a little bit younger um, okay. uh, than than mine, and um, you know, not so young that I don't think they'll they'll get along. But yeah, we'll eventually have them hang out, go to the park, etc. No. There you go. There you My go. kid is great. Yeah. She's. I'm not just saying that because she's mine. Because she, she's, <laughs> she's, she's easy to get along with. She plays well with right. others. It was a cliche, but like, well, right. let she, me say this. She got a gold star. The reason it's a cliche. The reason it's a cliche is because once you see kids who don't play with well with others, you know right. why that why that grain of truth 
has lasted throughout the ages. Because yes. when kids, when, when you see those kids who don't know how to act around, you know, anybody, <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta value the ones who who do. That's when you gotta pull the kids aside. Like, all right, that's when you do the little quick, the quick whisper. Like, you can't play yeah, with them. No. Right. You can't, you yeah, can't rock with them. Yeah, you know, it's so the unique thing that that is happening here is, and you know, and, and of course it happens um, across the country all the time. Is the four of us are all here. Uh, we are all transplanted from, I mean, essentially from the same place. And uh, and and we've all had to manage exactly what it is that you're going through right now, Evan. Um, you know, figuring out uh, who we are, uh, what's going on, and and being able to build a community around yourself in a, in a place that's completely foreign to you. It's super important. The, the, right, it is. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, you know, and to your point, I still, I've been in Chicago for 10 years. I, I have very few of my people here, um, you know, in terms of I've got some very, very close black friends that are, you know, that I love to death. I've got some very, very close white friends that I love to death. Um, but but the things that we talk about are very different. Yeah. So my black friends, we talk about black issues, but they're not black nerds yeah. so i don't really nerd out with them my white friends are the nerds so i can nerd out with them but i can't talk to them about black issues right, really right. and in a, in a in a you know in a very very real way and i feel like the one person that i've met that's in my area where i can have all of that with is is sharif who is an hour away from me hey sharif you're my you're my best friend um, right. <laughs> you're my nerdy right. black friend, right? Right. Yeah. You're my, you're my, you're my black nerd friend. Like, um, yeah, exactly. No, he's, um, he's basically letting but, you know there's an asterisk next to your name. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you're you're all right for this kind of guy. What position um, am I in in your contact list? That's what I want. Right. Know. Right. Exactly. Where exactly. am I? Is he? Wait. Is he? Is he your ice contact? Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Um, you know, um, but but no, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, so it's, it's real. That's it, I mean, yeah, and it's funny yeah. because like we're, we're clearly getting existential here. Right. But like, right. You know, right. <laughs> one of the things I thought about when I was, uh, you know, as I was entering the parenthood is like, you know, New York's an expensive place to live, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, it, it, I, I don't know how glorious it looks from the outside looking in. But being a writer um, who, who writes about pop culture <laughs> is it feels like you're constantly treading water um right. in terms of the the kind of work and and compensation that's available to you um right. i'm doing okay but uh in new york i was doing just okay um right just barely right. okay um in, in a place where the cost of living is is a lot is a lot less um i'm doing better but there's a trade-off right like there's a trade-off sure. i lose all the things that i got in new york for having an office myself some mm-hmm. some days right. some days it feels like a come up and some days it feels like a come down <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah it's it's a real thing you have, you have to face as you get older and 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 right. um it's it, it is bracing to find yourself um with more distance um away from the relationships that have nurtured you um and in the context that's nurtured you in your life you know I, i'm good in that i feel like uh, I can thrive without those things, but you know, mm-hmm. there you, you get a little bit of 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 of, of 
propulsion um, um, being a New Yorker in New York and telling yourself, I'm still doing the goddamn thing. Um, right, um, right, right. You know, that's that's part of the attitude, I think, about New York that people hate. But um, right. uh, <laughs> you earn that shit. You earn it yeah, for real, absolutely. for real. Yep. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. You definitely do. Yeah, I, I've... I've experienced something similar, even, even though I'm like not a New Yorker. I did live in New York, and then I moved to Philly, which in my mind I thought was like, I'm like, oh, man, I'm moving to Philly. You right. know what I'm saying? Like I'm moving <laughs> real far away. Right. But but like in retrospect, I was still using those same networks and people that knew people out there. So I kind of went there with more of a group than I originally thought. But three years ago, when I moved from Philly to Milwaukee, you know, I moved here for work, so I moved here like literally knowing no one except my best friend that lives outside of uh, Chicago. Um, so I sort of. Um, That's not me. Wow. <laughs> now yeah. Well, yeah. This, this, this is before the truth I met comes you. out. That's a that's a double asterisk right there. Son. That is a double Damn. asterisk. <laughs> and this was my friend that I've known. Since I was five years old, but that's okay, sister. I'll just slap you over. Um, yeah, sister is so off like, in the corner crying right now. He's, yeah, yes. He's not even on screen. Yeah. We can't see it. Right. Uh, Cue the bat to come in. Right. Um, um, but, 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 um, yeah, I moved here and I kind of had this sort of cynical viewpoint like, you know what? I'm probably not going to find my people. But mm. I moved here in 2013 where you got. Skype video and you know and I, I I mean and like FaceTime I don't think Google Hangouts was really I mean it was out but it wasn't like kind of like the same way it is now so I talked to my good friends like that I built up over the years like almost daily you know yeah and and yeah it would be cool to have people that I can go out and grab a, a, a drink with and I have met cool people here but I haven't met like lifers yes and right. i've kind of um i don't know i've kind of settled with that because i'm like yo like i moved here like i'm like, like i'm about to be 36 years old like i don't know if i'm gonna be picking up like yeah lifer type people yeah. anymore and and i don't want to sound like i'm giving up or whatever but i feel like with the with the tools we have to connect that you can basically move anywhere stay connected with your people have those like sort of surface level to mid-level type friendships with people that you meet and still be good it's funny you know? one thing that's happened since i've moved is that i've made a point of like having more like voice call phone conversations with mm -hmm. my friends mm -hmm. you know like yeah. it you know it, it is meaningful to hear the voice of somebody that you care about you know yeah yep. like yeah. uh texts don't do it you know, like right. uh, uh, emails don't do it. Like hearing that person emote and the the ticks and the things you love about a person's voice, like is 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 great. Um, you know, uh, yep. uh, and I think we take that for granted in a, in a day and age where you can communicate in so many other ways. Um, that just to hear somebody's voice um, that you care about. So I've been doing that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so speaking of of things that you've been doing a lot and, and uh, transitioning. Um, the other thing that you've transitioned to uh, since the last time we spoke to you, and actually rather recently, yeah. is is um, you transferred, uh, you transitioned from 
writing exclusively about games, um, which I guess you kind of weren't anyway. Right. In K- and that's part of the story, um, but go ahead. Right. And, and, <laughs> and uh, you've, you've uh, transitioned over into IO9 and, and uh, I guess uh, kind of talk about how that evolved and, and, um, you know, when did you start hating fucking games? Yeah. <laughs> when they start, when they started hating me. me right, 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 right. That's real. That's real. Word, I love, word. I love the shit out of you, man. <laughs> word, word. Um, no, but seriously, um, not that that wasn't serious, but uh, right, right. <laughs> you know, I've, 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 um, I, I got my start, I guess, as a critic writing about games, right? Um, but I've always written about a lot of things. There was a, there was a, like a stint for a year and a half, two years where I was the literary editor, editor for honey magazine, which was, uh, an old competitor to essence, um, a couple of years back. So I, I ran their book section for a while. Um, and that was fun. And, um, I've written about, you know, movies and TV and music. There was a stint where I, I used to, uh, work at timeout New York, their kids magazine and cover, uh, and I ran the film and music sections there. So, I, you know, I th- I've, I've always been kind of uh, um, a bit of a multitasker. Um, but the, obviously the periods, uh, period of heaviest con- concentration for me has been, or rather the area of heaviest concentration has been video games. And, um, you know, when, when I got hired on a Kotaku uh, almost five years ago, um, uh, I was told... Um, and, and actually urged by Steven Totillo, the editor-in-chief, is like, hey, you know, we're friends. We, we nerd out about comic because he's like, you know, this is a place where you can do that. Um, and I'd encourage you to do that. He was doing that before. Um, I was. And then, you know, he's like, you know, I, I love what you're doing. And I, I really picked up a good head of steam over the last two or so years um, in terms of doing that. And again, I, I've reviewed comics almost and written about comics almost as long as I've been writing about games. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it got to the point where like 80% of my output was about comics, um, in any given month. And, um, and that was fine. Uh, the change really didn't, you know, get a catalyst until some personnel changes were made at, um, IO9. Editor-in-chief Charlie Jane Andrews left, who I love. Um, she went, she's a successful novelist. Her, her her sci-fi novel, All the Birds in the Sky came out to to uh much acclaim and um so she went on to do other things they had some room some cap room if you want to use a sports analogy um that's about that's about as good as it gets for me with sports analogies guys so you gotta, you gotta let me have that one but they had some room and and um the editor-in-chief gawker editor-in-chief um who runs all of editorial i forget john's um exact title it's john cook he's either executive editor or editor-in-chief anyway he called me up one day he was like look uh you know, um, how, what would you think about making a change and, and heading over to IO9? And, you know, I thought about it. And, you know, whenever you get a, a call from your, your boss's boss, it's like, okay, <laughs> this is going to go one <laughs> yeah. or two ways. Um, but I had, a, I had an inkling that that's what he um, uh, might be talking to me about. So I thought about it. Um, and I, it was a pretty quick yes, uh, again, because of the way my, my output had been trending. And um, I went along with it. It was was very, very, very sad to leave Kotaku. Like that's that's my Mm. family. I I, you know, and Mm -hmm. if if I'm gonna be perfectly real, like I'm in their Slack still. You know, like I I, I chat with dudes um, um, there all the time. Um, And that's that's my you know 
that's that's like a, a second family for me. Uh, Totillo continues to be one of my my uh, my best friends, and um, uh, you know I love a lot of the people over there. I still will stand by their work, the work I did there, and the work that they do when I'm not there. I think they're one of the best places to talk and think about video games anywhere. Um, right. Um, but at the same time, you know, like if if I'm following where um, my writing is taking me, my interests are taking me. Um, it, it was to to focus on comic books in a really intense way. There's, we're living in a moment now where nerd culture is ascendant, right? And um, mm-hmm. um, comic books are in a weird position where they're spawning all these multi-million dollar franchises. But the actual source material, the the source medium where a lot of these things began, um, is incredibly fraught. Um, in a way that it hasn't been in years um opinions run hot and heavy um the the idea of representation in comic books has become a real interesting um place for people to kind of meet argue agree disagree um so you know and and i i I, i'm super lucky you know like let, let me and develop everything I'm saying about it by saying that I'm super lucky to be at, at a place like Gawker Media where I can make that kind of a jump, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. almost seamlessly um, right. and, and have my efforts be appreciated um, um, just as much. I've gotten a lot of good feedback uh, from io9 readers since having come on board. Um, and, you know, I think I think I'm still getting to do with the stuff that I did. And, you know. I, there was an open kind of caveat to everybody I spoke to about it. It's like, I still want to write about games when I moved, you know, I actually have a right, piece right. going up mm-hmm. tomorrow on Kotaku. Um, so they've left, they've left, you know, um, a kind of an open invitation for me, um, provided, you know, I still bring the heat. But here's some, I'm just going to fart out some random thoughts about, about right. this game. They're like, nah, <laughs> you, you ain't got it like that anymore. You never had it like that. Because <laughs> right, right. um, that's not how they play things. But yeah. So, um, you know, it's been a good transition. I think it's just uh, by virtue of, of having these two strong, compelling areas of interest that I've written about uh, my entire career. Um, and, and, and I've done one at one place and I get to do another at another place. So, um, um, it's been good. It's been great. Uh, you know, I, I, I definitely think that, um, I'm still lucky in terms of, I get to do what I love and a place that supports it, um, um, in a really strong way. Right on. So, so speaking of bringing the heat, um, I've got to say something about Kotaku. Um, Kotaku gets a lot of shit. Um, they yep. get a, a, a lot of shit. Uh, you know, obviously you're aware. Um, but I, I, I've got to say something. I, don't, I personally, I don't know Stephen, um, but but I, you know, I've I've met uh, Patrick. I've been on his show, Match Three. Um, I know you, and I've got to say that I'm so proud to ha- to have been in your company because I feel like. Kotaku is the only place in games where actual journalism happens. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, know, like mm-hmm. you guys don't give a fuck and will go out there and will piss people off for the sake of actually doing and reporting news. Yeah. And, you know, like that stuff is it's not easy, you know, like to run afoul of people who have institutional power um, in the industry that you're covering, you know, or to you know 
run pieces that potentially stoke the ire of um, these kind of entrenched, um, volatile communities uh, of, of fans and players. Um, but it's, it's necessary work. And, sure. and you, you, you go where your interests take you, you know, like, right. and, and um, mm-hmm. I think it's part of the Gawker ethos. And that's, and this has been a thing that's been being debated publicly left and right um, nowadays, given some of the context surrounding the company, but it's part of the ethos to um, do away with the politest that surrounds, um, you know, a lot of um, journalism as it's delivered mm-hmm. nowadays. Like, you know, if you know something's true um, and you want to pursue that truth, you talk about it, you know, like um, right. everything I wrote about representation of video games, being black, a black man who enjoys and plays video games, but is frustrated by the love of representation. Like, you know, that's a conversation that um, is always fraught, you know, it's always tense um, um, because you have people from various angles wanting to defend the status quo and 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 i wasn't ever happy with that status quo um right um mm. um and because that was a place where i was able to like write about that kind of stuff multiple times some people think we talked about this last time i was here some people think it's all i did it's not um but uh you know i felt like the rest of the time you're talking about comic books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and indie games. I feel like I had a high right, level right. Uh, output regarding uh, indie games too. But yeah, you know, it's, 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 that's journalism, you know, like yeah. pursuing your truth, pursuing your truth, the truth of others, uh, the, the delivering it in a way that um, doesn't always care about the consequences, which isn't to say, you know, there's there's no kind of internal vetting or dis- discussion about uh, framing stories a certain way. But right. mm-hmm. you know, if you're gonna piss off somebody who has things they'd rather not see come to light, then you're probably doing something right, depending mm-hmm. on yeah. how you frame it, depending on how you talk talk about it. So. Yeah, like, you know, those guys, Jason, Patrick, you know, the kind of harder-hitting news reporters, um, there's a lot of process that doesn't get um, seen publicly about uh, when a story kind of presses all the right buttons and when we when when, right. when we i'm still saying we but when, when when kotaku thinks it's worth <laughs> worth covering something so yeah uh, 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 I, and i think there's a lot of places uh, other outlets that for various reasons don't exercise that kind of judgment which isn't to say they're right. they're better or worse the circumstances are different um, um yeah. and, and 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 you know uh i think the framing around kotaku is 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 problematic because people um i think it makes them comfortable to feel like they're they can say that there's an agenda at work um it's not really all that like you know it's (laughs) it's not as people pursuing the things that they think are interesting they think that other um, readers think would be interesting um so yeah you know um it's 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 again it's a place that when i wrote my goodbye letter it's a place that i think helped definitely helped me grow and i think I helped it grow too. So, 
yeah. um, it, it's it's a meaningful part of my career. You know, it's it's if if I have any pangs, it's um, from a little bit of feedback that I got uh, once once I said I was leaving, is that people were like, "Oh, we're losing a voice. We're losing a voice. Mm. We're losing a man at Kotaku. We're losing a man inside." Uh, 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 video game criticism, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be the kind of guy to, to put myself on a pedestal or portray myself as any kind of like, I don't know, profit or whatever. But, but I, I, I have, you know, I do have feelings around that. Like I was proud right. to be a person who wrote about that stuff when I felt moved to, um, and to, and to, to get the kind of feedback where people appreciated that stuff. And you know, I, I've told people like. If I if I get moved to write about game X Y or Z and how it makes me feel as a as a, a black person consuming it playing it whatever like I will certainly do that and I hope I'll have a, the space to be able to do that Kotaku um, um, but you know I'm doing the same thing um, at IO9 you know I'm working on a piece that if if all goes well should go up tomorrow Friday the third of June mm-hmm. um, <laughs> about a recent development um, in Marvel. Con- uh, uh, the, the highest profile Marvel comic storyline. Um, I, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, in Civil War Two, which is Marvel's kind of big tentpole summer crossover, yeah. um, they're killing off War Machine, and mm. I'm like, you know what? That's not cool. <laughs> and it's not so much a defense or or an attack, rather, on Marvel for, for killing off this one character. It's the the, the fact that they have a um, a trend now. Well, it's not necessarily a trend, but uh, the last Civil War event was 10 years ago, and they killed off a giant man, Bill Foster, who was a black character. Um, right. He was basically cannon fodder. They're like, okay, we need to kill somebody who's a C-lister that nobody gives a damn about, and we can kind of dispose of and, and get have all the heroes get weepy over. Mm-hmm. That guy. Um, right. Um, and I was like, hmm... Only major casualty. He's maybe not the only major, but like the biggest one um, was him. Uh, and all right, mm, sure, but you do it again, and right. with a higher profile <laughs> character. And I understand the story logic behind it, but the t- the take that I'm putting out there in the piece is that look, it sends a message that you maybe don't want to be sending um, mm. about who's disposable. Who's not? Who's um, right. you know? Who gets to be an A-lister and who doesn't um, in your superhero right. universe? You know, uh, and 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 what it meant for me to have that character be around for you know thirty, forty, some odd years, uh, when again, as is all too often the case in, in in pop culture universes, there's not enough people that look like us. So you know, right. the ones the ones that do, you impart meaning on them. You know, mm-hmm. you, you impart significance yep. on them. Um, like even Giant Man, I mean, you know, he was like the third person to call himself Giant Man. He wasn't a great character by any means, you know. But like, look, if if you want to take a, a, a head count of the roster of the super scientists of the Marvel Universe, um, 90% of those motherfuckers is white. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, there's T'Challa. Uh, right. And, and T'Challa. And, yeah, I'm like, I'm trying. I'm sitting here <laughs> trying to think of maybe some others. 
the only other ones I'm thinking about are villains. So what's up with that? Oh, but man. yeah, and right. Bill Foster, and he's gone. Right. Um, right. Um, and that means something, you know. It means something yeah. to to the readership that uh, that gave a damn that he even existed. You know, like it's like it's like, like it's like a family reunion, right? It's like okay, you know what? Let's say you hate your your wife's family, but you got to go to their reunion anyway, right? And there's that, right. but there's that one brother or sister you that should, you can get along. You with. should see Kaz's face right now. But go ahead, go ahead, keep going. Because <laughs> I'm, cause I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think who is the war machine of my wife's family. <laughs> wow. But there's that one person who you're like, okay, as long as I see him, I'm good. You know, that's my safe haven, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, and to have that, have that taken away. One year he doesn't show up. Um, um, one day your favorite in-law relative doesn't show up, and you're like, God damn it. We do this every yeah. year, and I'm being a good sport, and I show up, and and you know, like my my, my road dog is not here. That's that's kind of what right. it feels like, you know. Um, and Marvel said some things where they're like, oh, we 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 talked to Ta-Nehisi Coates, who's writing Black Panther, and you know, he expressed his opinion and sent a long letter and blah blah blah. Um, and like that's all well and good, but you know, you 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 made your choice, and and part of the issue that I'm thinking about as a writer is like, you could have made another choice, you know, if you want to have like that emotional payoff of of losing a character uh, because of this philosophical difference, um, in an event called civil war, maybe (laughs) not to be black guy again. (laughs) No, I mean, the irony could not be any richer. And it's like, right. Well, you see, you see it in the movies too. They like, yeah. they like crippled, crippled the, the latest war yeah, machine. Yeah, well, it's funny right. because Te- because um, the scene where Rhodey dies actually happened in uh, a free comic book day um, title that Marvel put out the weekend. It was either the weekend of um, the the Civil War movie, or was it the weekend mm-hmm. after? Yeah. I mean, it was the weekend. To, let's yeah. be real. The whole reason of doing another Civil War event in the first place was to, like, draft off the movie, right? To pull some of the heat right, off the movie. Right, of course. Um, right. So it's, I mean, I can't say it was engineered this way on purpose, but to have War Machine take a, take a hit, take a big hit like that in each story, I was like, word? You just, what heat do you, you know? Like, you just... Well, right, well you right, got, we got to think right, about it this way, too, though. Like, yes, you have those two two convergences that have happened that are really close together, but... The the one MIA is Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard right. never got yeah. any love after yeah, yeah, he became yeah, War Machine. Yeah. Never again. I mean, that. supposedly, supposedly he was. <laughs> you know, he's got a reputation for being um, erratic and difficult to work yeah. with. So I can understand yeah. why he didn't. He didn't. You know, get to level up to be to the to the to the to the level that that Don Cheadle right. did. Um, but yeah, you know, like it, it 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 it's significant. I think in in in. A moment where uh, Marvel's trying to look good and diversify their superhero roster, um, and I, I'm all for that. And you know, I think they do care about developing talent and and um, and developing their characters to to more closely represent the world that we live in. But like story choices like that still have a negative effect on the readership, um, on a part of the readership, mm-hmm. you know. And it's 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 right. a part of the readership that is often felt ignored often felt t- taken for granted and right. and you know it just feels like a broken trust um mm. to see a character kind of be deemed expendable like that because you know the numbers are still not in our favor you know and again i'm not asking mm-hmm. i'm not asking for for parody or uh, or um 
the kind of reflection of the real world, you know? Like, I think a lot of people who criticize um, me or other people who care about this kind of stuff, it's like, well, black people are only 12% of the U.S. population, so... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's like you know, oh, you guys should be man. good. You're gonna hit. You're gonna hit your 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 quota soon, or some kind of dismissive <laughs> response like that. It's like it's not about that. It's about like it's not a it's hard numbers game. It's about like how these characters get treated. You know, are right, they right, allowed right. to exist at every level of 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 the fiction? You know, and they're not just good guys either. You know, like I, 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 um, one of the things I loved about Uncharted Four was Nadine, you know, being right. uh one of the major antagonists. And you know, that's a that's a complicated issue which I'm sure you guys have covered. In fact, I know you guys yes. have covered. Um but yeah, despite the misgivings I have about the creation of that character in terms of performance, um I still appreciate that okay, this is a a black woman in a well-written, non-stereotypical um nuanced role um as an antagonist we don't all have to be good guys you know we should be able to ex- right we should this is the thing i've been saying my entire career and probably will be saying on my deathbed we should be uh, allowed to exist fictionally in the fullness of our real world existence right you know yes. right. so mm-hmm. we should be able to be fuck ups we should be able to be you know heroes we should be able to be uh, uh, uh played with self-doubt or overconfidence, or douchiness, or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the way not to do that is to lean on stereotypes, you know? Right. Um, the way not to do that is to have characters, you know, just get kind of blown away because the story demands demands it, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of cannon fodder out there. <laughs> um, um, and And it sends a message when every time out, you're killing the black black character. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you say that. I had one thing that I always remembered saying to someone in that same vein of like, you, do you, do you all remember Jackass on MTV? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I, and I always used to think I was like, you can be white and do that show, but you could never be black and do oh, that no, show. Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Because you would just be dumb niggas who were yep. doing it, and you'd right. be like, that's the reason that they're supposed to. They're supposed to be doing yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing that always stuck with me of like, it's, that's the thing that bothers yeah, me. Yeah, because but, the framing yeah. of, around that kind of adolescent, juvenile, dumbass behavior um, is totally different, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there was... They'll grow out of yeah, it. Yeah, they'll grow out they'll of grow it, out or of they're just roughhousing, having fun. Boys right. will be mm-hmm. boys, even though these are grown-ass men. Right. <laughs> um, right. right. Grown-ass yeah. men. Right. Um, um, so not only did they get to do that without the kind of criminality context surrounding them um not only did they get to do that they got to build build careers, careers motherfucking movie acting careers off that shit back <laughs> shepherd who yep. i love you know started on jackass uh uh-huh. uh, uh i believe um yes yeah yes, then he went yes. on to punk but yeah um right. johnny knoxville like right who started in major Hollywood productions started on Jackass, yes. you know, <laughs> putting fire crackers up his asshole or whatever he did, you know, right. like, <laughs> let me see the day where a black man could do that on a, a nationally televised uh, piece of entertainment and then, and then build on that. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And become marketable. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, okay. Then I will say things don't change. Right. Um, right. Um, but they ain't happened yet. 
I want that to be the the sixty year reunion show, and people just screaming from the from the crowd. Put yeah. the firecracker yeah. in your yeah. ass. Yeah. 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 thirty. No, but you know, like <laughs> opportunities um, like that uh, don't come around the, the the way for 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 black creatives they do the way they do for for for, for non-blacks and you know like right. the game is the game we've been living in in, in, in it um our entire lives but it, it's it's frustrating when you see when you're reminded of what the boundaries are you know um, um mm. or, or where the ceiling is um it, it's you know it comes in, in in different ways um but it is frustrating yeah so, so i i want to bring it back a little bit um to when you were talking about some of the responses that you've gotten to some of the writing that you've done sort of over the years. Now, I know that there's a lot of crossover between sort of, I guess, what you would consider the gaming fandom and the comic fandom. It's, 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 they're, they're like definitely two different groups, but there's definitely like some crossover there. Um, now I know that, you know, I mean, I've seen the stuff that you've gotten on, on the, on the uh, gaming side, um, in terms of the blowback and the focus on like race and stuff from your recent work that I've seen, um, on more of the comic side on, uh, IO9, I haven't seen as much, at least in the public comments. Um, so, so like, I was really wondering if you've seen like sort of a difference, um, between the reaction um from from the fans um either on the gaming stuff or the comic stuff or or if it's been kind of mostly like the same well there's two there's two parameters that are worthy of note here one is that i've only been io9 for less than a month um right so i haven't kind of built up the kind of body of work um that i did at kotaku um at least not yet uh and two and this is probably far more important is I haven't written the kind of article that is um, tethered to an exploration of race in pop culture. Um, I haven't written that yet. This, this, this one that I'm working on now will be the first one. So I'll be interested to see where the parallels um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the kind of um, comments are. Uh, you know, I wrote a piece about Black Panther and Civil War like my first week there, but that was more about like the way the character was executed in the movie and, and what I liked about that. Um, it wasn't about him, his construction as a black character. Um, um, so there was not a lot of that there that I can recall. Um, but I think, you know, come tomorrow, um, and this is, and this episode is <laughs> going to be airing a, a, a week after we talk. So come tomorrow. Right. I may have some different feedback to give you reef <laughs> right now. Right now it's all good. I mean, but there are, I've noticed some differences in the, in the commentariat that, that they're frequent both places. And there are a lot of users who, who, who come to both IO9 and Kotaku, but the biggest differences I feel like, um, uh, there is a certain kind of discourse that happens with, with comic book enthusiasts about like being able to court quote lore, chapter and verse right um that as as a way of kind of proving worthiness right can you lift my own there well you know i can tell you what 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 the inscription (laughs) on the hammer means and when it changed and when it first appeared it's like that's great um but that stuff is not always relevant to a conversation even if you're talking to other nerds that stuff is not always relevant to um an article that i've written and that's interesting because you know i don't know if it's a bit of dissonance with people not knowing um, my background as, as a nerd, 
but there was an article I wrote a couple of weeks ago about um, the question, which is a, a comics character um, that DC now owns. And there was a run in the 90s written by Dennis O'Neill, um, one of my favorite comic book writers, and drawn um, largely by Dennis Cohen, who was one of the founders of Milestone. This is before Milestone, right. but uh, um, I, you know, I wrote about it because this is a comic book, I, a series of stories that I read a, a lot when I get depressed because it's, it's a character that feels like a fuck up, and you know, he feels like he can't figure out his own shit. He can't people. He can't really help people the way, that, say, a Batman or a Green Arrow does. He's like an also ran, and he knows it. Um, mm-hmm. um, but then you know, this kind of Zen-like confluence of of um, coincidences, like helps him realize that like you're you're not fucking up you just are where you are and you'll change um so it's a comic book i go to a lot um when, when i'm feeling down on my on myself um i wrote about it right and uh i think there was a mention of watchmen in there um just as a bit of context to the timing of when that comic was being published and I had multiple comments, and it was like, well, did you know that there was a reference to Watchmen in, the, in question number 17? And I'm like, you know what? I did know it. But it was not relevant to the point I was trying to make here, so I didn't right. put it in there. It's like, you don't have, you don't have to whip, whip your nerd dick out every time every time yeah, that's exactly you, know, you have the opportunity. Title of the episode. Right? <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I, I'll right. see the whole time I'm talking, I'm like, do I want to go here? Because this is... A, I talk like this privately, but whatever. This, this is right. your, your, your oh, family. Hey, listen, fam, you're fam, fam, man. But it, it, I mean, nerd checking is a fact. Man. Um, but it, yeah, it's like it's like you know this. It, this is this is how nerds measure their dicks. They're they're they're, they're yeah. dicks, uh, against each other. And it's like you know, right. like. And it's interesting that it happens. I feel like there's an escalation of that kind of interaction, um, um, with the advent of social media because you know. There's there's an aspect to being on Twitter, being on Facebook, being a streamer or whatever that's performative, right? Like it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna construct a persona and I'm gonna embody this persona with the hopes of mm-hmm. getting people attracted to it, maybe making money off of it, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, that no shade on that. Like there there are careers and 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 vocations and, and interactions where like that's a thing, you know? But I feel like if there's a disproportionate relationship to the performative nature of your persona then that's something you need to look at you know like uh uh if you're a streamer whose whole deal is go is is going and shitting on games and like every time out like because you feel like people like to watch hate like then you should check yourself you know like if you're if you're a person on, on on twitter or facebook or whatever and and you you go around like looking for people to troll or or um yell at or spew your invective at like you need to check yourself um it's funny like as my follower count has ticked upward slowly over the years on twitter like the, the nature of interactions is is much different than it used to be uh, i get ran i get <laughs> randoms coming into my mentions you know right. like i put up a i put up a, a, a clip um about a week or so ago of like something that happened in uncharted it's a level where like this giant tank has been chasing you and oh my yeah. gosh yeah you guys know what i'm talking about because you also on twitter but it's right. a tank chasing you mm-hmm. and like it blows up on on like the, this dock and there's a bunch of dock workers there who kind of like 
and you skid the motorcycle that Nate and Sam are right. that skids to a stop and they kind of look at the, the, the wreckage and be like, Woof, we made it out alive. That's awesome. And there's this, this black dude in the background. He's like, he's like, he like looks at, the, looks at the, 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 the carnage off in the distance and he looks at them. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy's like, what the fuck? Fuck. <laughs> there's two white boys roll up in here and fuck up this shit. And they ain't got to clean it up. I got to clean it up. So I made a reference to like, uh, Ancestor Adewale from Assassin's Creed, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, you know, like, it was a joke. And most people took it for the joke it was, you know, about how, you know, white people, they sow their chaos and, 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 and leave. Um, but, you know, there were a couple of, of people, responses on Twitter that, like, you know, were, took this as a political act, you know, um, of, 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 that needed to be, like, avenged with their words and pictures and, and memes and whatnot. I'm like, it's a joke. You know, I'm good. You know, like you, right. you, and, and uh, the, the best was, you know, being uh, I got called a sensitive nigga. Um, by I some remember by that some dude. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm nice. a sensitive one because <laughs> right. I was joking. You know, and and right. and ninety percent of the people who interacted with this tweet saw it as a joke. Is it's you who's taking it uh, the other way? But right. I'm sensitive. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's what happens when you haven't watched enough Sanford and Son, though. Because right. that, that's because that's like a direct correlation into a Sanford and Son switch. Right. You know, it's funny. Like when we talk about the way these conversations about race and pop culture and represent, representation of pop culture happen on the internet, like that accusation that you're sensitive, like gets gets mm-hmm. thrown about. Like you know, right. and I'm like, yes. mm, maybe I'm sensitive. I'll cop to that, but maybe you're super insensitive. You know, right, right. <laughs> right. Maybe you don't think about the right. context that this conversation is happening in enough. You know, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. You're mm-hmm. not like processing it the same way. And I don't come into your mentions and and and, <laughs> and rant about whatever you're, you know, spouting off about. You know, like it, it, it's not like that. Why do you feel like you need to be? Uh, 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 spraying graffiti on my wall you know when you don't even live in this neighborhood right <laughs> oh shit yeah so I, I, I before we before we uh, head off to our ad break and, and we pay some bills um, I want to talk to you about something that that I have a complex relationship with this comic related okay. and, and we, we actually we talked about it very very quickly offline you and I um what are your thoughts of the new run um, by David Walker and my bruh uh, and and probably cousin uh, Sanford Green's um, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist? So I love it. Um, okay. Um, um, I like it a lot. Uh, I'm a okay. huge Power Man and Iron Fist fan. fan. I, I read right. that book when people like Jill Duffy, Kurt Busiek were writing it like in, in the 70s and 80s. Um, right. I'm old, y'all, and, and my back issue. Right, my, right. back, my back issue game was impeccable back in the day. Um, so, and then my favorite run was when uh, um, a writer by the name of Jim Owsley, who's since uh, oh yeah, yes. who's since yes. changed his name to Christopher Priest, and now he's James Priest. Right. But he was the first, you right. know, black writer at Marvel um, and the first yes. black editor at Marvel. His run in the '80s was was life changing for me. It's foundational yes. work. Um, it was an action comedy that was also had this subtext about New York City in the 80s during in the inflation Reaganomics era and a cross-cultural right, relationship right. Um, between, uh, you know, a street dude, um, super strong street dude and a, a, 
magical kung fu master. Right. It was, it was <laughs> I just, I loved it. So I have a lot of affection for for Luke Cage as a character and that partnership. Um, so I, I uh, and I like um, Walker and Green's take on the book a lot. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think they preserve the kind of like uh, action comedy buddy flick vibe of a Power Man and Iron Fist um, in a really good way because they've they've come back in various miniseries and and, and, and roles and other books and it hasn't been good like that so they're getting that right you know the, my, my one gripe with it and i wrote a piece about this on io9 my one gripe with it has been the way they've been character the way that jessica jones has been characterized in this series yes she's kind of a nag and yes yeah i got heat for this too on on io9 when i wrote about it because i'm like well you know she's jessica jones is, is a, a bitchy character you know she's maladjusted mm-hmm. you know she's not somebody who handles right. her problems well um um, and they've always had a bit of an acidic relationship um, when they were when they were dating um, and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, that's all good, you know. But like, we're not seeing enough of her in in being characterized in other ways. Um, right. She pretty much gets a page or a couple of panels in each issue where she nags Luke about this, that, and the other. <laughs> and <laughs> and Danny says, well, how come your girl? How come your wife doesn't like me? Um, and so on and so forth. Yep. Uh, there was a, there was a little bit of a shift starting in issue number four, which wrapped up their first story arc. So I'm hopeful um, that uh, her characterization gets rounded out a little bit. I'm not. She doesn't have to be June Cleaver. She doesn't have to like you know uh, have, have dinner ready for Luke at home or be like a submissive kind of like stereotypical 1950s housewife. That would not be true to her character at all. Um, but the things I like about their relationship is like these are two salty ass people who managed to find a relationship with each other um and find love and 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 caring and concern and comfort and i'd like to see some of that um play out in a way where it makes me you know not shake my head at her i mean she's getting her own series the rumor has been announced yet but the rumor is that a new alias series jessica jones series is going to be announced later this year um and i think they'd be you know silly not to with the way her show kind of jumped off to netflix on on netflix Yeah. yeah um yeah so I like the series a lot. Uh, I think Sanford is an amazing visual stylist. It's funny, right. you know, um, he's one of these artists that's very polarizing. I like him. Um, yes. I mm. think he hits the right notes between caricature and um, a kind of realistic draftsmanship, right? Um, right. Um, he, he's drawing a, a comedy. You know, he's drawing an action mm-hmm. comedy. And, you know, Luke looks larger than life and, and he looks right. mad brolic. As he right. should, you know. Right. And Danny looks like you know he's kind of got this twitchy Bruce Lee, Jeet Kune Do vibe going on, where he's he's, li- he's liable to, to to like slap you in your ribs twenty times before before you even blink. <laughs> um, and there's a bit of a, a role reversal in the relationship because he used to be the one back in the '80s where Luke would be the one who would pop off at any the slightest right. provocation. Right. Um, and Danny would have to tell him to keep cool. Now it's 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 opposite. It's it's. I think it's a great a great series that that's that's hitting a lot of great beats with where these characters are, and it, it kind of um, summarizes and reinvigorates the reasons that people have loved that partnership. So I like it a lot. That you know my my one my one gripe aside, um, I, I, that that book is really really solid, and I hope it, it finds a really a strong leadership. I mean, 
the thing I'm liking that Walker's also doing in the Marvel Universe is in his Nighthawk book, which the first issue yes. came out last week. And yes. um, that's re- it was a strong, strong first issue. I, you know, mm-hmm. I hesitate to like anoint, you know, anything with like a must read status uh, for me personally uh, on the strength of one issue. But I was like, he he's doing some things here, like where he's treating this character, which has always been an analog for Batman in the Marvel Universe. Um, mm. Sometimes an homage. Sometimes they were kind of using it to diss DC Comics. Um, uh, but like, uh, clearly an analog to Batman and, you know, he got reinvented as a black person in one of their spinoff universes about, about 10, 13 years ago. Um, he's in the mainline Marvel universe now. And he's like, he goes to Chicago, you know, where you are at Cicero. And he's right. like, I'm, yeah. I'm taking on like, uh, the real estate, the, the, the racist real estate um, practices that have led to mm-hmm. economic depression. Um, you know, and, and, and. Like that's something that Bruce Wayne gets criticized for not doing in the Batman right. comics. So uh, he's taking yes. he's taking that kind of idea head on and using it to like um, complicate this character. And you know he's a character who's like who is fighting racism, and racism ain't the Joker. You know you can't put you right. can't put right. racism in Arkham Asylum and and, right. and like be like okay <laughs> racism is off the streets. You know uh, racism right. will, racism <laughs> will not trouble <laughs> Chicago anymore because. It's in Stonegate Prison, and, right. and it's not going to. Racism is not like that, so I think it's going to be really right. interesting to think, to see how this character grapples with the idea of of, of being a superhero fighting a, a a social injustice that that can't be kind of like punched out and and handcuffed. Word. I mean, that's that is a wonderful way to transition ourselves into our ad break. Also. Huge shout out to your New Yorkness by using the word brolic. I applaud you. <laughs> I feel like that, I feel like that's a little bit of an old head, old head. Oh, hey, we're all I, old I, heads, bro. I, I needed that in my life. We're gonna head off into our ad break. We are rocking with the dopeness that is Evan Narcisse. We will be back after this what's up y'all this is sharif jackson host of gaming looks good a youtube series where we focus on diversity in video games race gender and sexuality check out the full archive of videos at gaminglooksgood.com Hey, Ricago, usually at this part of the show, we go into our ad break and then we come back right after it. But our show was so amazing. This episode with Evan Narciss was so amazing that we spoke to him for almost three hours straight. So to not have to give you a whole three hour episode that you'd have to consume in one shot, we broke it into two parts. So this is the end of part one. Part two, you'll be able to download that right afterward and be able to catch the end of our conversation where we wrap up talking to Evan and also bring in some E3 predictions for the rest of the show. So leave on this part, check out the next part, part two, and tell us what you think of the show. Take it easy. 